humans, hello humans, hello humans of the Twin Cities in Minnesota and the world beyond. Happy Monday to you. It's me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Welcome. Thank you for allowing me to occupy a part of your brains for a little bit. And happy Monday after Thanksgiving. Uh, for some of you, you're probably very happy about going back to work. Not a, not everyone, but some of you. I mean, some people get way too much of family. Some people get way too much of Uncle Bill sitting across from the dinner table um, and giving looks when you say something uh, particularly political. So, so here we are. Um, for the next hour, you have me or I have you, um, your idealist, your practical idealist, Ellie Krug with an empathetic heart. And I know that you who will be here with me, um, I know that you all have empathetic hearts as well. Um, I do believe that most of us are good. Um, I just believe that many of us are afraid to use our empathetic hearts. So with that note, uh, we're going to have a great show. Um, our featured idealist is a woman who broke the color barrier. Um, on the West Coast TV news. And the big interview is with a man named Tom Dizek, a local idealist who has lived a life of trying to change the world in his own way. He and his wife are incredible idealists, but we're going to only have Tom uh, to talk to. And then after that, I'll talk a little bit about my work as a practical idealist. So let's begin. Our featured idealist is a woman named Belva Davis, the first African-American woman to become a television reporter on the West Coast in the mid-1960s. Um, oh, and I should add that the material I'm telling you about right now is uh, gleaned from Wikipedia and, and an online, a really great online resource uh, named Timeline.com. So Belva Davis um, started out in, in uh, television uh, news in the early, mid-1960s on the West Coast, but it was not an easy start for her. Um, she's not, a, obviously, a household name, and uh, it was not given that Belva Davis would succeed. She was born in 1932, um, and when she was born, her mother was just 14 years old. Uh, Belva was born and became the oldest of four kids. She lived with various relatives, and at one point, she was living along with ten other people in a two-bedroom apartment in Oakland, California. As she later recounted, quote, I learned to survive, and as I moved from place to place, I learned to adapt. When I got older, I just figured I could become whatever it was that I needed to become, period, unquote. Later, Belva went on to become the first person in her family to graduate from high school. So think about that, because what you're going to hear for, for the rest of this segment is how she went on and succeeded to a great, great degree. First in her family to go to graduate from high school. She couldn't afford college and began working as a typist at the Oakland Naval Supply Depot. But she had a burning desire to write to be a journalist and she became a stringer for Jet Magazine which was a predominantly black which was a black publication and from there she started writing for other black pe uh, publications in the Bay Area eventually she started doing radio as a disc jockey and then as an on-air interviewer for an AM station in San Francisco AM stations we happen to love them um, she recounted covering uh, she's She's written a book, um, and her book is titled uh, Never in My Wildest Dreams, A Black Woman's Life in Journalism, published in 2011. And as she recounted in her book, she covered the 1964 Republican Convention, which took place in California. And while she was there covering it as a, as a radio journalist, she was targeted because of her race. She was hounded out of the arena where the convention was taking place with food being thrown at her and with an N-word being yelled at her and a, and a black colleague. And so let's make sure we point, paint the picture of the early 1960s in America. This was a time when racism was rampant, not only in the South, but across our nation. Um, a San Francisco station manager dismissed Belva from an interview saying he wasn't quote, hiring any negresses, unquote. Um, Belva found that news directors wouldn't hire blacks. She was, in fact, told um, that um, they wouldn't hire a black because they believed that their lips were too thick to properly enunciate words. I, I'm not kidding you. That's what Belva was told. 
And yet, this woman who learned, who came from very, very, very bleak roots, um, was persistent. And her big break in TV journalism happened in 1966 when she was hired as KP, KP, by KPIX TV as a reporter. And then four years later, she became an anchor in 1970. Um, when she became an anchor, it was at the height of the anti-war protests and the civil rights movement was still very much alive. Belva in her career covered many important stories, the Berkeley riots, um, the free speech movement at Berkeley, Black Panthers, uh, the Jonestown Massacre, and the Moscone Milk assassinations. She, she And then, once she was a TV anchor, she continued to encounter racism. For example, in 1987, she was in Forsyth County, Georgia, um, covering a civil rights march, and at that time she tried to interview a white woman who spat in Belva's face. She's gone on, as I said, to win eight Emmys for her work in the San Francisco area and has received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Association of Black Journalists and American Women in Radio and Television. By all accounts, Belva did what she did with great grace and dignity. And I cannot stress enough the power of going through life with grace and dignity while still representing change, while still pushing and working for change. Um, Gloria Steinem had a great quote about her. And she said, um, Gloria Steinem wrote this um, as she wrote about um, uh, uh, Belva's book, Never in My Wildest Dreams. Quote, Belva Davis has lived this country's history as only a brave black woman could and has witnessed it as a journalist with a world-class head and heart, Steinem said. I don't think it's possible for anyone to read her words in Never My Wildest Dreams without becoming a better and braver person, unquote. Now, idealism absolutely involves bravery. It does. But more than that, it involves persistence. Hanging in, not giving up, not being deterred, not being frightened away, not being made scared to death by how people react to you or your work. And as I prepared for this show and read about Belva, for me that was what stood out, is that she just continued to plog on, to slog on one foot in front of the other, despite the setbacks, despite the racism, despite the marginalization. That is what idealists do. Now, as an aside, before we end this segment, uh, I wonder how many of you know that here in the Twin Cities, there actually is a very vibrant um, uh, sector of the black, uh, of black publications catering to the African-American community. Um, if you go to North Minneapolis, you go into a store or um, a restaurant, you're going to see in, in the, the, the bins, the holders for publications, you're going to see two different publications. One is titled Insight News. The other is the Minnesota Spokesman Recorder. Both of those are vibrant publications that are directed to African Americans living in the Twin Cities. In fact, the Minnesota, the Minnesota Spokesman Recorder is 84 years old. It is the oldest um, black-oriented publication in the state of Minnesota and one of the oldest in the country. And I share this with you because I think that many, um, many white people have no idea that within the black community there is this vibrant, vibrant um, journalistic bend, vibrant uh, community that that advertises to the black community, vibrant black writers writing about things that are critical to the black community, um, and, and folks who are making a difference within that community. And hopefully, I, I would hope, um, they will also make a difference in the wider community for, for folks who are not black or African American. Now, um, 
Much of that would not have happened without people like Belva Davis. Belva, Belva, excuse me, Belva Davis. It would not have happened without people who were brave, who who stood stood up to the to the racism of their times, and who who made um, the effort, and were persistent in batting down people who were intolerant or hateful. It is not easy to do that. Trust me, not easy at all. But thank God Belva Davis was there. Thank God we have what's going on in North Minneapolis right now um, with our publications, with people who continue to speak the truth, continue to show up, and continue to live their lives as who they are, because that's what we need in our country. So there you go. That's the end of our first segment. And I just, um, when we come back, we've got a really great interview with... um, um, Tom Diesick, uh, who I think that you are going to be charmed by because he certainly has charmed me in the short time that I have known him. You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, one of the relatively few radio hosts in the world. Um, actually, I know of at least two other transgender radio personalities in the Twin Cities, so I think I probably need to watch saying that. If you like what you hear, um, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. I love hearing from listeners. And um, please um, hang in here with us for the show. We hope that you're there when we come back after this break. Thank you. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. At Burger Moe's, Mondays no longer need to be a drag. Dine on the beautiful patio for Burger Monday Madness every Monday after 4 p.m., where you can order any burger and fries off menu for just $6. Not valid on Excel event evenings. Burger Moe's offers 20 fresh, never-frozen burger varieties, as well as delicious appetizers, soups, salads, and unburgers, dogs, paninis, shakes, and desserts. Located at 242 West 7th Street in St. Paul, with plenty of free parking, and online at BurgerMoe's.com. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. What kind of a jackass would let an animal pick their insurance? Did you really think a lizard could save you money on car insurance? Would you let a duck pick your health policy? Insurance can be a zoo, but this is ridiculous. What you really need is an insurance agent that isn't looking out for the insurance companies. You need Cheryl at Array, an independent agent with 30 years experience looking for the best rate possible. Quit monkeying around and call 763-504-3067. That's 763-504-3067 for Cheryl at Array, representing you, not the insurance company. Companies. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now.
And we are back on AM 950. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, um, with Ellie 2.0 Radio. Um, I just love finding people who change the world who we don't know about, um, like Belva Davis. And, and the reality is there are so many of those people out there that we never hear about. We never, they never get on the larger radar. And, um, but that doesn't mean they aren't doing incredibly important work. And, and that brings me to the big interview today because we're going to speak right now with Tom Diesick, another person essentially under the radar doing incredibly important work in the past and in the present. Tom, welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Ellie. I'm really thrilled to have you here, Tom. Happy to be here. Yeah, and I, I know, though, that this is a bit of stretch for you because um, I know that you're not used to being on the radio and you're probably not used to being highlighted for the good that you do in the world. That would be my guess. Am I right about that? Yeah, I try to stay under the radar on what I'm doing. Yep, just doing it. All right. Well, so for our listeners' sake, let's give them a little bit of a, an idea about you. Um, you are um, you are an older gentleman. Is it okay if I say your age? Yes. Okay. That's fine. So you're six, 76 years old. That's correct. And um, you're native to the Twin Cities. Yes. You know, and we just heard about Belva Davis and her very humble roots. You started out pretty humble as well yeah i came from a um, working class neighborhood you know uh, my father was a warehouseman and um so we didn't have a lot of means but we had enough right yeah. okay but but along the way you got a break right got a big break yeah i i was uh, fortunate enough to um uh, get a full ride to high school and a, a full ride to college and i think that those two episodes of my life really changed and really kind of made me who I am today. How did as the I, as I look back, I think that had the biggest impact on on my life. Okay, and 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 how can I ask? How did you get the ride? The you went to uh, St. Thomas Academy, right? Yeah. And how did that happen? I think it was a combination, just of financial need and um, hopefully uh, a certain amount of intelligence. I guess that that I got the scholarship because of that. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sure the intelligence is there. So, um, it has always been there, but, but you got, so you, you got somebody that believed in you. That would be part of what, what happened. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I had a eighth grade uh, teacher that really promoted me, I think, and championed my cause. Yeah. All right. Well, tell me more about this eighth grade teacher. Yeah. She was a sister of uh, the school sister of Notre Dame and, um, so we just had a great personality. You know, I suppose if an eighth grader can have a crush on a nun, I'd probably have a crush on her. <laughs> and uh, so, but uh, yeah, she really helped me a lot. Okay. All right. And, you know, and one of the things that I'm finding, because, you know, I've been doing a lot of interviewing of, of, of people on my show, Tom, and one of the things that I'm finding is that for many of our people that are out trying to make the world a better place, there was always some figure, somebody in their life that helped model that for them, and that also involved in believing in them as well. So, all right, so, so the, the reason I wanted you on the show is because as I got to know you, and we've only known each other maybe, what, three years at most, as I got to know you, though, I found it pretty incredible what you were doing because you got, you got out of St. Thomas. Just bring us a little bit on, on your career. What, what was your career? And then we're going to get to the work that you were doing um, to make the world a better place. Well, after I got to St. Thomas, I mean, this was probably one of the first things of giving back. Uh, I was in the military for three years, and I volunteered because I just felt that that was what you did as a citizen. You had to serve your country. So got out of the military, uh, I taught school for two years, and then for um, 45 years I had my own financial planning uh, business. Okay. All right. But beginning uh, pretty early in your, well, well, you're married to Hannah, married right? Married to Hannah, yep. How many years? 56. <laughs> and you said it so quickly. I'm very proud of you, Tom. She'll be very happy to know that you could come up. Sometimes people have to count. Okay. 56 years. How many children? Five. Five. Okay. But now we need to focus on that five number because early on, as your kids were younger, 
you started to take in other kids into your house. Is that right? We did, yeah. For um, three years, we had a group home where we had um, people that were involved in the court system, and we were kind of the last stop before they uh, got kind of locked up, if you will. So it was a last chance to see if they could make it without going to some correctional facility. Okay. How did you get involved with that, Tom? And, and what, I mean, you had five kids, right? We did, but that was just kind of part of the giving back, I guess, that started way back when. And um, I think I started doing like a big brother program and was leaving the house. And I said, well, this is kind of crazy. What if we just bring them into our house and I won't have to leave? So uh, we got involved in Ramsey County uh, Juvenile uh, Probation Department and got a hold of a guy there and uh, that that started it so we started getting kids and uh, we had as much as many as uh, four teenagers living with us uh, on occasion okay yeah. four teenagers plus five of your um, your uh, birth children that's correct okay but and these are not these are these are teenagers the four the teenagers that you took in over these years were teenagers that had problems yes that's correct okay and um, I'm going to assume some of them ended up having to go on to um, uh, juvenile detention or or corrections. Yes. Yes, they did. Yeah. Some okay. couple couple of them didn't didn't make it with us. They had to. Yeah. Okay. They but, couldn't stay. But some of them did make it with you. I I think so. I hope so. We didn't hear back from a lot of them, but we heard back from a few. Okay. Do you know the stories of any of those that that? Um, well, one of them was a Native Native American, an Indian, and um, he went on and uh, just look at your sign here, the Ho Chunk Nation on the on the wall. He wound up uh, getting a job with uh, with the Ho Chunk Nation and working with them. So that was positive. Another uh, young guy that came through another program called Drug Education for Youth. Um, he went on and uh, I think was a musician for a while. So yeah, that's that's what those are the only ones I really kind of know. A whole okay. lot about. Yeah. Okay, but 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 you were. I mean, you, you're having it at one point. You're having nine kids in your house. Yeah. So Hannah was the real. <laughs> she was the real strong one at that. I mean, you know, you can imagine cooking for that many and doing laundry and whatever and yeah. So. Okay, and and you know, um, listeners, you're not seeing this, but Tom is he's a very humble guy, and I'm like pulling teeth here to get him to talk about this and and um, I had said to him before we got on the air we were just gonna have a conversation and it's okay Tom to talk about this stuff um, because you know what when you talk about it it causes other people to think that maybe they can do it too and that's really how we change the world by, all right by letting people know that they can also make a difference as well so, all right. Well, when we come back from our break, Tom, we're going to talk some more because we haven't even we haven't even covered the landscape of the things that you and your wife have been doing to make the world a better place. Okay. Okay. So you're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio, on AM 950. We've been speaking with Tom Dizik about um, about being under the radar and what it means to help change the world on your own, where no one else knows about it, um, but doing it in a big way. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elitecrew.com. When we come back, we'll talk more with Tom. Thanks so very much. Hi, it's Tom Hartman for Continental Diamond. You've heard me talk about this place for a long time. And this holiday season, it's time to get your loved one a gift that will last a lifetime. Their experts know all the latest trends and will help you find the perfect gift to fit any budget with an amazing in-stock selection to choose from. Stay away from the craziness of the malls and visit Continental Diamond, adjacent to the West End in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. That's Continental Diamond for the perfect holiday gift. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. 
Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Total Dog Company exists for people who are serious about their dogs. People who want the best nutrition and the best gear for their dogs. Total Dog Company's mission is to provide high-quality, practical food and gear for dogs and only dogs. Nothing frou-frou or frivolous. Nothing with suspect ingredients. No cat food or wild bird food. Totally dog. From head to wagging tail. Find us in New Hope off of 169 at 9432 36th Avenue North and at TotalDogCompany.com. Turn to Auto Technical with your vehicle donation. Even though Auto Technical is a small nonprofit, we have helped more families with transportation than any organization in Minnesota. Since 94, we have reconditioned donated vehicles so they have a higher tax benefit. Call Richard at 612-919-5526, 612-919-5526, or autotech.org. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. With your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today will be mostly sunny with a high near 20. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 10. Tomorrow, partly sunny with a high near 19. Wednesday, sunny with a high near 26. And Thursday, mostly cloudy with a high near 30. Break away from the ordinary and find a list of one-of-a-kind local restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. From elegant to casual, exotic to comfort food, and more, these restaurants offer some of the best cuisine the Twin Cities has to offer. Find the full list at eatlocalminnesota.com. Hi, Minnesota. Norman Goldman here. Join me every weekday from 5 to 8 p.m. for some clarity, wit, and wisdom on the latest issues of the day here on AM 950. Back on LE 2.0 Radio on AM 950. This is me, Ellie Krug, your host. I've been speaking with Tom Diesick, um, a friend of mine, um, but also somebody who has done some incredible work under the radar. Somebody who truly is an idealist, who's done it all of his life and continues to do it. So, Tom, before we took a break, you were talking about how you and your wife, Hannah, your wife of 56 years, when you had five children in the home, you also took in teenagers who were interacting with the criminal court system at one time you had four of those teenagers as well as your five children under the house under one roof um, which is really incredible Tom it really is but that's not all that you have done in in your time of wanting to give back um, because one of the other things that you have done um, is that you become a deacon through your church is that right that's correct okay and you've been a deacon now for how long uh, 37 years. 37 years. And that's at uh, St. Thomas More? That's correct. Okay. All right. And so, um, but but you're not only just a deacon, you're also a chaplain for the St. Paul Police Department now. Yeah, that's correct. Um, when I retired from uh, my business, I thought I had a little bit more time, so um, I volunteered to become a chaplain with the St. Paul Police Department. So I've been doing that now for maybe about three years. Okay, and and what and that's getting you out, at, like, at all kinds of hours. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, just as it turns out, uh, all the chaplains are assigned to a particular tro- a patrol division, and mine happens to be uh, a patrol division that starts at ten o'clock at night. So when I'm there with the with the guys, I'm and going on ride-alongs and so on. It starts at ten o'clock at night and then goes into the morning. Okay, so, <laughs> and Tom, this is a big deal. Okay, you're out riding around with police officers, 
Um, I, I assume you said the guys, but I assume that part of this uh, this group has some women in it as well. Yes, yes, it does. Okay. I think it's kind of funny. I always just say guys, and even that's women, but it seems to be that's the figure of that's speech, okay. I guess. Because yeah, I, not ironically, but next Tuesday I'm going out with a woman on a ride along. So yeah. Okay. All right. But but you're doing this and. And as a police chaplain, you are encountering, I assume, a lot of situations that are highly emotional for some people and some that are very sad or tragic. Yes, yeah. And we're, we're the, as, as chaplains, we're primarily chaplains for the police officers and for the civilian employees of the police department. So that's our primary uh, ministry is to them. But so then we help them in whatever ways. And yeah, then on... Uh, occasions they will be on a call and it's a situation where they feel that uh, either the people have asked for or they want a chaplain there to help out and yeah generally it's not a happy situation it's not they don't call us when it's um, when it's party time yeah it's usually a DOA or a, or a suicide or an accident or a death notice or something like that yeah okay all right well Tom but but on top of that so you're you're at, at 76 years old, you're a police chaplain, okay? Yep. Going, doing, doing the graveyard shift with police officers in their cars. On top of that, you and your wife continue to sponsor a woman from in El Salvador. El Salvador, yep. Okay, you started that through the church, but you continue to send this woman um, financial support. Financial support and, then, and stay in contact with her through letters and so forth, yes. Every month, right? Money goes out every month. Letters maybe once a quarter. So, okay. Yeah. All right. And you've done this for how many years? Ten, twelve years. Okay. And then, um, uh, and then on top of that, <laughs> uh, you have, you, you know, you are you've been the pre you've been involved in the community in a number of other ways. You've been the president before of the past of the St. Thomas Alumni Association, right? That's correct. Okay. And Hannah, um, Hannah has been talking with you about whether you need to cut back on what you're doing, right? Well, she doesn't cut back, but she said the other day, she said, I don't know how many 76-year-olds do what you're doing and have the energy you have and just keep going. And I said, well, yeah, I just, I've got the health and I just got to keep doing it. You know, it's just been part of who I am. I, I've said this to a number of people. It's just, it's kind of like part of my DNA. I've just given back for um, for so many years, but it's something inside of me. I think I've just been so gifted that um, I can't not do it. I've been just helped along the way, and I think I've been given a lot as far as education and health and uh, everything else that, uh, I don't know. You know, if you've, if you've given a lot, I think a lot is expected back of you, and I've I just, yeah, so I got to, I just have to keep doing it until <laughs> maybe a wear out or something. <laughs> well, all right. Well, Tom, so a couple of things about about you and what you said, okay? So first I'm going to embarrass you a little bit, and I'm just going to tell you that that I am honored that you have become my friend. I mean, this this is not the way it usually works, okay? I mean, you heard about me um, and my work and then you started to coming uh, to my talks, and then um, you reached out to me through the internet, and we, you and I, eventually went and had coffee, or we we went and had lunch together, you know. And then since then, we've seen each other on other occasions. So, what I want to tell you is, is that you have become a role model for me. You have, and um, you know, I'm 62 years old. I am alone, so I don't have a Hannah. Okay, or a Tom in my life, um, and, and we don't need to dwell on that. But but it's hard to push on at times because it's a very solitary work. You know you know how solitary it can be to be giving back because it you just keep giving. And um, but you're a role model for me because I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do in the next ten years, and you're helping me to understand that. Well, so I just want you to know that. Thank you. So. And, um, and, 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 and so one of the things I wanted to talk about with you before we, we broke was um, what, how you're feeling about our country right now. I mean, how, 
you you grew up you did a lot of um the stuff you've talked about in the 60s the 70s and the 80s when we had a different country in the sense that the american dream everybody could identify with it and 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 grab onto it we're starting to lose that ability for our children to do better than we are what what are you thinking about america right now as somebody who who has spent his entire life giving back well, I, I think that uh, somewhat discouraged, I think, with all the dissension. Uh, I think that um, uh, I'm a little buoyed by the last election, uh, that we've got another number of young people in there, a lot much more diversified. Um, I think we really um, have to uh, start talking with each other, which we're not doing. And I'm really discouraged by... Um, how we become so individualistic in our society. Uh, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, <laughs> on my soapbox, I think this screen time and, and on the internet, it's just, it's distance people. And I, you know, we've got to get back to community. We've got to get back to being together and working together uh, to make things happen. And we've got to start, we've got to stop being so isolated. Um, so if we can do that, um, that's great, and hopefully we'll we'll move towards that. But um, yeah, we've, we've got to get more of a sense of community, and I think we've we've lost that. Well, but but um, examples like you, like the work that you're doing, you help build community. You're you're creating your your help reinforcing the fabric of the community by. You know, your phrase, giving back, you call it giving back, I call it being idealistic. I call it being someone who's trying to make the world a better place. I mean, that's got to be, um, that is the fabric that we that we need to reinforce now. And I, I agree with you with the screens and we become very siloed and I, I absolutely agree. But I also believe in the goodness of all humans. I do. I believe that everyone listening to our voices right now, I mean, 1% total sociopath, but the other 99% of us are good people. We're just so afraid. And we're so busy. Yeah. You know? Right. We don't pay attention to what's going on in the world in terms of stuff coming at us about how we can exercise our empathetic hearts. What, what advice do you have, Tom, for someone... You know who who wants to do more in the world who you know but who may be afraid or doesn't think they have the time what what advice do you have to offer well i i i think um you know to say you don't have the time i think that we have time for what's important to us so i think there is a need to give back there's so many places that you can give back to all you have to do is make yourself present and say hey i'm here how can i help and um, people just gobble you up, I think. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's important that we get out of ourselves and and uh, give back to our fellow human beings. It's just, yeah. So just, you know, it's just like that old Nike commercial. Just do it. Just get out there and just do it. And uh, no excuses. Just do it. <laughs> well, Tom... On that note, I think that that's a really great way to end our interview. You have been someone who has been doing it your entire life. Entire life. And I'm pretty much in awe of that. Thank you. I just want you to know, and I also want to thank you. I do. I barely know you. You know, I do know you, but I barely, not a long time. But I want to thank you for all that you've done. Yeah. Well, humans. thank you for asking me to be on. It was... Uh... Happy to do it, and it's just been a pleasure. So thanks, Ellie. It's great. All right. Well, thank you, Tom. We've been listening. We've been talking with Tom Desick for the big interview about his work as an idealist, as somebody giving back. You, I just, I'm, thank you, Tom. And uh, listeners, if you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Uh, when we come back from break, I will do my last C block where I'll talk a little bit about uh, the work that I'm doing. And I've got a story to share from you with you about something that happened to me last week. Thanks so very much. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. 
Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Looking to offer high-end restaurant-quality food at your next event? Look no further than D'Amico Catering. Their talented team of event planners and chefs will collaborate to perfect a menu that best fits your needs. Whether emphasizing local cuisine or ethnic flavors, organic bites or summertime favorites, they're here to give you choices that align with your taste, budget, and style. Interested in learning more? Please visit D'AmicoCatering.com. That's D'AmicoCatering.com. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. November is Gulvember at Rudy Luther Toyota. With the end of 2018, it's time to get yourself an amazing gift. A new vehicle from Rudy Luther. Through November, get a $3,000 rebate on the Toyota Tundra pickup or $3,500 on my personal favorite, the family-friendly Sienna. Plus, check out that great selection of 2018 Tacoma pickups in stock. And the best part of Rudy Luther is the long-term relationship you'll have with their wonderful people. November is Gulvember at Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. And we're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. My, uh, I'll tell you, uh, Tom Diesick, um, he is a hero of mine. And I had him on the show because I thought it was important to have, um, every once in a while, I think it's important to have, like, quote-unquote, ordinary people um, who are doing incredible work. I, you know, I'm sorry, uh, you, you know, he... Having uh, five birth children and then four teenagers who were tangling with the court system living under your house, uh, under your roof, and doing that for several years um, because you wanted to give back, that's extraordinary. And I know that many of you listening to me right now are doing incredible things, but the combination of doing that, of being a deacon in his church, of being now a chaplain at 76 years old, going out at 10 o'clock at night, um, all pretty incredible stuff. And I wanted um, to share with my listeners, um, and I don't know how well it came across because I'm really not a very good interviewer, um, but I wanted to share the idea that everyone can do that. I mean, that we all, if we try. Now, I want to, in my C block here, in the time that I have left, I want to talk about um, uh, something that happened with me last week. As I'm a practical idealist, I was in Richmond, Virginia, Last week, I had given a talk to a chapter of uh, legal professionals, a group of uh, support people called the Association of Legal Administrators. They have a chapter in Virginia. These are the backroom people for law firms and legal employers. I also spoke um, 
the talk was also sponsored by the by Sherm, the Society of Human Resource Managers. I was in the in a an Uber in the morning last Thursday after the talk on Wednesday night, uh, driving to the Richmond Airport in the rain, and a man picked me up. Um, on Uber, and with Uber, you always know the name of the driver, and you know their age. And his name, um, um, uh, the name of the driver was Abraham, and uh, um, he, uh, a black man, he he picked me up, and uh, you know I'm an I'm an introvert, and I know you may not believe that, but I really am. And many times when I get into cabs or when I get on an airplane, I just, you know, when I just look out the window, okay, and I just need to kind of be alone. I don't like to engage um, if I cannot escape the situation. But for some reason on this day, I decided to engage him. And, um, you know, it started out with how's your day going? You know, how long have you been driving with Uber? Those are kind of like my standard questions. And I've been driving with for Uber for um, a number of years, like two or three years. And it was at this point, it, it turns out that Uber is his retirement. Turns out that Abraham is 51 years old, and as he's talking to me, he has an accent. And, um, and uh, I, you know, I, I'm in the diversity and inclusion business enough uh, to know um, probably when it's appropriate or not appropriate to ask questions. But So I asked, what's your, what, what is your country of origin, if I may ask that? I said to him, and he told me that he was from Liberia. Now, um, I know enough about... Um, uh, Liberia's history to know that it was the subject of a civil war, and I asked to him. I said, um, "I said, did you did you escape the country's civil war?" And this is where I mean, now the conversation is getting very interesting because I was willing to be curious about another human, curious in a very respectful way, but now the conversation was taking a turn that I had not expected when I stepped into that Uber ride, and so he said, "No, I did not." I did not escape the Civil War, and he went on to tell me that twice while he was in Liberia, he had had guns pointed at him. And I said, oh my God. And he went on to explain the, the second time it was with two 12-year-old boys carrying AK-47s. And uh, they were pointing their guns at him, demanding the half bag of rice that he was carrying. Um, because that rice was, um, that was going to be the food for his family. He had a wife and three children. And they demanded it. And his words to me at that time uh, were, um, uh, you know, half bag of rice, he exclaimed. Um, but then he went on very quickly and he added, he said, but God looked out for me. God was good um, to me on that day. And the boys did not shoot him, but they certainly got the bag of rice. Now, I've got to tell you, you don't hear that every day when you talk with someone about having guns pointed at them, about being in countries that are in the midst of a horrific civil war, and the Liberian civil war was horrific. A lot, many, many people died. But then he went on to tell me um, that he came to the U.S. Uh, 19 years ago um, and um, brought his wife and three children. So, listeners refugee, okay, refugee from an African country. Um, right now in our country, right now, we've cut in half the number of refugees that we're accepting, okay? He goes on to tell me the story. He came to, he came to Richmond, uh, Virginia, and got a job in a warehouse. He was a forklift operator in a warehouse, and he worked the 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. shift, um, and he went on to tell me he did that for 15 years. His wife worked for Walmart. And when he would get home at, you know, um, a little after uh, around 6.30 in the morning, and at 7 in the morning, his wife would leave to go work at Walmart. They did that for 15 years. And he went on to tell me, so I asked, you know, tell me about your kids. And... He, of course, very proud of his children. He went on to say he had two boys, both in the military, one in special forces. And then he had a daughter um, who had become a lawyer and was in New York City. And we he shared a little bit about his children. And, 
and uh, and 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 we got into a discussion about the American dream, about wanting for our children uh, just something better than what we got. And 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 he 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 understood exactly what I was talking about right away. It was clear in his mind, and it sounded to me as well that his children were doing better than what he had been doing, um, and certainly at where the ages of where his children are now. He was very very proud of them. He was proud to be an American. And thankfully, I asked, "Are they? Is everyone in your family a citizen?" Because I am so worried about our people here who are not citizens. And he said, yes, we're all citizens. And in fact, his daughter had made phone calls uh, before the midterm reminding everyone that they needed to vote. Now, that's the way America is supposed to work. It is supposed to work that our children do better than what we do. One of the things that was absent, that at least as I listened during the midterms, was this talk about the American dream and about the focus on our children. We just heard from Tom Desick, who, who was extraordinary lengths focusing on children that weren't even his. We have forgotten the need to focus on the children. Everything that we do in our country right now should be focused on the children, on provide, making sure they all excel, that they all get a, a good, good education that they have the opportunities once they have that education to get into the workforce and to, 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 to soar if they have the skill set or the motivation or the persistence or all the other things, the kind of things that Belva Davis had once she had the opportunity to live and do what it, her passion took her to do, which was a, a journalist. We have, we have forgotten about the children. All right, that's all I can tell you about that. I now need to move to um, saying goodbye to you. And so I need to give a big shout-out to um, our sponsors, the Pride Institute, um, which is a drug and alcohol and residential outpatient recovery center, and Brending Electrolysis. Big shout-out to Brending Electrolysis and Bev. Tell her um, Ellie sent you if you go because she does great work. And I need to thank our, our producer, Brett Johnson. Brett, you do great work. Gosh, you just always have my back. And to you, my listeners, I need to say thank you as well. Thanks for tuning in on every Monday, 7 o'clock. I know you could be doing other things. Thanks for emailing me and telling me what you think of the show. And thanks for most of all... We're just trying to do better in the world for you going forward and trying to make the world a better place because it does matter. Talk to you next week. Thanks so very much. I was kissing back.